When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we've recapped part one of bowl season previously. It's time to recap part two. Uh, again, the ACC pretty dominant in this bowl season. They went eight and three. That that has dominated all the rest of the conferences out there in college football. Is a yep. really good showing. And I don't know that there was a better showing than in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve and... The only thing I got to say about this game, Mike, damn, Clemson. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Tigers 31, Ohio State nothing. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back to your preview real quick. You and I said, okay, Clemson, the good Clemson needs to show up, and they did. We also said, hey, the way to beat Ohio State is to make them one-dimensional. And... That's exactly what Clemson did. JT Barrett, throw the ball and try to beat us. Couldn't do it. Um, they, they couldn't run the ball. Receivers were dropping passes. Defensively, Ohio State has been pretty solid this year. I don't know what happened. I mean, guys are running wide open. Wayne Gallman had a huge game. Deshaun Watson, I thought, was just, I mean, he was fantastic. Uh start to finish I mean he had on the opening drive um, I think it was Mike Williams who fell down uh, it might have been Artavis Scott but uh, Watson threw that early interception that wasn't really on him he threw another one later that um, was just a great play by a defender um, but by then Clemson was already up multiple scores so uh, you throw you throw that one away as well you know I thought Watson was great he threw for 259 yards threw a touchdown pass Gallman nearly, near, uh, I think he had like 85 yards rushing. Great game for him. Mike Williams, another big game. But Clemson's defense is a story here. Ohio State never got going in this one at all. JT Barrett, it was it was a mess. Um, he tried. He was 19 of 33, but only threw for 127 yards, threw two interceptions. The running game was uh, a problem. Curtis Samuel had six carries for 67 yards, but uh, they, it, for whatever reason, they wanted to run the ball more with JT. That didn't work out very well, and they wanted to throw the ball a ton on this Clemson defense. I don't know if it's because they thought they couldn't establish a run. They were doing a decent job at it. They just didn't seem to really go back to it much. It seemed like they really just wanted to throw on Clemson and try to beat them, but it was never really working, and Ohio State never adjusted. So just a really dominant performance by Clemson. This is the Clemson Tigers team that I think you and I both expected to be there week in and week out this year that we didn't necessarily see. We saw a disinterested Clemson team for most of the season just because of their schedule and who they were playing. But the big games, the Louisville game, the the Florida State game, uh, you see this game against Ohio State, Virginia Tech in the ACC championship. You see when the good teams show up, you get the good Clemson offense, and when you get the good Clemson offense, you have enough defense on the other side of the ball, and and if you get a motivated defense, this is a very very tough team to beat. It's going to be a tough team for Ohio, um, for Alabama to handle in the national championship. I'll tell you, Mike, with the Clemson defense playing like they were, I'm not so sure that there's an offense in the country that would have much of an easy time moving the ball on them. I agree. Uh, they were they were totally disruptive of Ohio State. They had 11 tackles for a loss in this game. That is a ton. They had three sacks. That was impressive. Uh, the 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 thing that stuck out to me on offense is it's not like there was just one player that got really hot for Clemson and kind of took the game over. If you look at the rushing and receiving yards for Clemson, there was not a single player that had 100 yards. 
The closest anyone got was Mike Williams, six catches for 96 yards. Wayne Gallman, 18 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Um, other than that, I mean, this was a whole team effort as they had 48 carries and 24 receptions uh, on the game. So a, a strong performance. As you mentioned, Deshaun Watson throws a couple of interceptions. I thought that they were okay. There was neither of those that I was really just like, oh, Deshaun, you know, you can't throw that. It was, you know, okay, sucks, and Ohio State made good plays. Yep. Neither of them really came back to bite him. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing to me that was just shocking was how how poor Ohio State was at running the ball and how dominant Clemson was at stopping the run. Ohio State's stud, you know, freshman running back, Mike Weber, five carries for 24 yards, two fumbles. Uh, that ain't going to get it done. And and it was just a total suffocation of an effort from Clemson here. They go for 470 yards of offense in this game. Ohio State has three turnovers, only nine first downs. This was ugly. Clemson ends up putting in their, their second string offense late in the game. Nick Schusler gets in the game. Uh, and, and they basically were in there just to kill the clock. And when that's happening in a playoff game, A, you question a little bit the playoff matchup, but B, it really speaks to the dominance uh, of how good Clemson was here. And, and you got to think that looks good moving forward, Mike. Yeah, and also uh, it's starting a little bit of a disturbing trend with these semifinal games. All of a sudden, a lot of these games don't look as good as maybe they should be. Um. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that either. It's it's hard because a lot of these matchups look good initially, and then they just aren't. I mean, consider the Alabama-Michigan State game last year. I don't think a lot of people thought Michigan State would win that game, but I don't think anybody really expected Alabama to just blow the doors off of Michigan State like they did, um, where Michigan State's defense, which was good all year last year, uh, would have just all sorts of issues stopping the Alabama offense. I, I didn't see it. Um, I, I thought Michigan State would at least hang around and make it somewhat interesting. They couldn't move the ball on offense. Connor Cook was a nightmare, a uh, sign of things to come here in the professional game, perhaps, <laughs> this weekend <laughs> as he makes his first career start in the playoffs for the Raiders. We'll throw back Thursday um, for you. Yeah, we'll throw back Thursday. That's right. On Wednesday. Well, I guess, depending on when you listen to this, maybe it's... The game's on Saturday. Yeah, I, it is. We're recording this Wednesday night. Um <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, I, I mean, I don't know what to make of it either. And you look at these matchups, and I, I thought Ohio State-Clemson, I thought this could be every bit as good as advertised, and it really just wasn't. Uh, from the opening kick, you know, I I don't know. I mean, Clemson gets the ball first. Watson throws that early pick. Ohio State can't do anything with it. Um, by the way, they can't kick field goals either. Uh, that part of their game was missing, <laughs> along with the rest of their offense. Even when Ohio State had some opportunities to score, they couldn't really punch it in. Uh, they never really got anything going, and I don't really know what to make of it either. I think that a lot of these semifinal games, they, they look good on paper, look like interesting matchups, and then for whatever reason, one team just completely has dominated another. It's just seemed that way here for the first few years of the playoffs. I it, This is amazing to me, and... So to Ohio State's credit, this is still a very young team. They've got a, a bit of a senior quarterback in JT Barrett who's been there for a while. And there's there's a few older guys on defense, but they had to replace a ton of players after last year. That didn't stop them from kind of running roughshod through the Big Ten and going 11-1 and in the regular season. So, you know, a little bit of credit where credit is due that they were a good team, albeit a little bit young. But this was just a, a total shellacking. And as you mentioned, this is now the second year in a row, Mike, that a Big Ten team has gotten shut out in the semifinal. That's a bad look. It's not good. That's a real bad look. Um, so, yeah, crazy game here. Uh, Clemson, again, 17 nothing lead at halftime. Keeps the gas down, it's, and it was a 31 nothing win eventually. Uh, a, a total just letdown of a, of a game if you were looking for an instant classic, which... I kind of originally had thought it was going to be. And I think the other the other telling sign here is that we all kind of agreed before this game that this was the right matchup. And, and as you mentioned the playoff, you know, being a little bit of a a little bit of a letdown from a game quality standpoint. I mean, we all agree that they got the four teams right. Yep. And and so from that standpoint, I I don't know what you do to change it because well, I mean, you kind of had it right to begin with and it just happens that 
Alabama and Clemson have dominated both years. Oh, man. And, and can you imagine Penn State? I know Penn State just put up like 48 points in the Rose Bowl against a USC defense that didn't look very good. But can you imagine Penn State's offense with Trace McSorley throwing rainbows against this Clemson defense, the same Clemson or defense? Alabama's. Or Alabama's, which Penn State in all likelihood would have been the four seed. Can you imagine Trace McSorley against that Alabama defense? Would you be licking your chops or what? Saquon Barkley, great running back for Penn State. Those great running backs against that Alabama defense? Yeah. Either of these defenses. No, no way. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think the four teams are right. I I don't think Penn State puts up a better fight against Clemson or Alabama. Um, I don't think there's a chance. In, in I don't my necessarily mind. think so either. I mean, and Penn State, yeah, Penn State beats Ohio State in Happy Valley, a whole different thing. But I think most would agree Ohio State's a better football team than Penn State. Um, despite losing to them on the road, Ohio State, most would agree, is a better team than Penn State. Um, and a very similar team in style offensively. So four teams are, I mean, the four teams in the playoff are correct, but we're still getting these games where. They just seem so lopsided, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me either. I'll tell you one other thing that doesn't make sense, and I, I figure maybe we should talk about this while we're talking about this game. Mike, did you see what uh, what Christian Wilkins did to Ohio State's Curtis Samuel? Uh, I did not. You haven't heard about this? The uh, the little uh, probing, I guess, that we'll say that he did? Oh, I... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. I heard heard about that, and yeah, heard about that, saw that. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah. For for the uninitiated, uh, it was caught on camera. I guess Curtis Samuel had a had a catch or something, and was being tackled by the Clemson defense and and Christian Wilkins uh, of Clemson's defensive line, who had a remarkable game, walks over and uh, starts sticking his hand where the sun don't shine on on Curtis Samuel, and uh, man, it. It looked real uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, it's one thing, you know, you kind of pat each other on the butt or whatever, like, you know, that's that's sports. But this was this was taken way too far. Uh, the, you know, Ben Bulware has come out and defended this action, saying, oh, yeah, this is normal surprise, stuff. Surprise, surprise, Ben Bulware. How is this normal stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's normal stuff. how a, I feel about Ben Bulware. It's, it's normal stuff in a prison. Um, yeah, this is not... <laughs> This is not okay. Like th- that's <laughs> no. disgusting, and that's a violation yeah. uh, of that guy's personal space and uh, of his body and everything else. I mean, this is that is disgusting, and I I would hope that there's some sort of kind of punishment or repercussion coming for that because that's gross, and that's that's not acceptable. That that is pretty much the definition of sexual assault. Like like that's yeah. Man, yeah, it's it wasn't good. Sorry, I didn't realize Christian Wilkins was the one that did that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 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 a great uh, look or feel or not good. It can't be good. I mean, all That's, yeah, all around, you just can't have that happen. It's just on national yeah. TV. You can't have it happen anyway. But especially on national TV, and then Ben Bulware defending it because he's one of the bigger dumbasses in college football. I have some Ben Bulware opinions. I, I know you, you know do. That. I'm trying to get those out of you, you know? <laughs> yeah. You might have seen me tweet earlier today something about, I you know, Ben Bulware takes offense to the idea that people think he's a dirty player. Uh, I, I don't care how much offense he takes to that because I don't think care. he's very much a dirty player. Yep. And now I know that he condones what, you know, what qualifies as sexual assault. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ben Bulware, you have somehow even, you know, made my opinion of you worse today so good stuff as if um, it wasn't as if it wasn't possible it yeah still found a way yeah screw that no stop clemson 31 ohio state nothing clemson going to the national championship game they're going to be taking on alabama here this coming monday january 9th uh we will be back for a a preview episode we'll talk about that one when we get to that for now mike we've got a few more games we got to get through let's Back it up about 24 hours to the evening of December 30th when in the Capital One Orange Bowl from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. That's what they're calling it these days. Not Joe Robbie or Pro Player Stadium or Landshark Stadium or Dolphin Stadium or whatever 30 names has gone through in the last you know 12 years. Hard Rock Stadium now. 
Yeah, hard rock. I like that logo too. That's a good look. It's it is. Uh, number eleven, Florida State, thirty-three. Number six, Michigan, thirty-two. And you talked about how good of a game the Penn State USC game was on in the Rose Bowl uh, on the second. Man, this game was fun and it was crazy and it was it was. This was a fantastic game, Mike. Did you get a chance to watch it as it happened? I did, and more offense in this game than I thought. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought this would be more of a defensive-minded game. Uh, obviously, it came down to the two defenses actually playing pretty well despite giving up 30-plus points. When you battle two offenses that, well, I don't really know. Michigan found a way to score 30 points with their offense. Uh you know, we previewed it and said, hey, Michigan's offense, they're decent, but they're, I mean, it's Darbo, and that's really it offensively. Um, Mich- Michigan actually did not really score 32 points with their offense. It, Michigan scored, like, 20 points with their now offense. Now, the DeAndre Francois pick six helps. The uh, the two-point conversion they ran back helps. Um, Michigan also got their first score on a field goal that they kicked after Florida State fumbled a punt and Michigan recovered it inside the five-yard line. But that's what we were saying, right? We said that Michigan was going to have to gift their offense points, and that's exactly what they did in this game. Uh, The defense actually produced a couple scores, and this was actually the recipe that I told you in the preview. I said Michigan will need their defense to score or set them up a couple different times to win this game. They still did that and lost, which was kind of surprising to me because I was watching this game and I'm thinking, okay, there's the big mistake by Francois. Okay. Um, there's the fumbled punt. There's the, the, you know, the defense sets you up again, deep in opponent territory. Wow. Two-point conversion. Uh, you, you know, uh, run back the other way on a blocked extra point. I know there was only a minute left and it was a long shot. It was going to be tough for Michigan to come back there, but that was a huge play, right? So, you're sitting there and you're wondering, okay, Florida State scores a late touchdown, right? Nyquan Murray, two catches, he made them count. 104 yards, two scores, broke the game open twice. The, that the, was awesome. The final touchdown catch was unbelievable in the corner of the end zone. First of all, excellent throw by Francois, um, mm-hmm. who struggled in this game, 9 of 27. You only completed 30 of your passes, 222 yards, and two touchdowns. Obviously, stats a little bit skewed on the yards perspective just because some of the passes he completed were a little bit longer. But Murray really came on there late. That was a huge throw by Francois. Obviously, with a little over a minute left or just under a minute left, and then uh, the blocked extra point happens, Michigan runs it back. And then you're thinking, okay, the Wilton Spate drive to get Michigan into field goal range to give them a shot and then he threw the interception and it was all moot you knew Florida State's defense was going to have to make plays they made just enough in this game to save face Florida State was over able to overcome the the bad turnovers that they had and lost in all this is a very strong game by Dalvin Cook and what ended up being his collegiate finale 20 carries 145 and a touchdown had a couple huge runs that really set up Florida State nicely offensively uh, deep in Michigan territory. So that's what's kind of lost in all this against a very good running defense, if not one of the best running defense in college college football there uh, with Michigan. So strong game by Florida State. It was a, it was a well-played game by Michigan as well. Um, it, it just ultimately came down to Florida State's defense getting enough stops there late to win the game. As you mentioned, Dalvin Cook was absolutely remarkable in this game. 20 carries, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Broke off a couple of crucial huge runs. Uh, DeAndre Francois had a touchdown run of his own. As you mentioned, not great throwing the ball, but when he did complete passes, they they really made Michigan pay for it. Only four players for Florida State caught passes in this game, Mike. Let me give you the longest pass that each of them caught. Nyquan Murray, 92 yards. Dalvin Cook, 45 yards. Travis Rudolph, 13 yards. Kermit Whitfield, 23 yards. When when you're gaining you know, 15, 20, 30 yards every time you complete a pass, you don't have to complete a lot of them. Um, and, and so DeAndre Francois, as, as you mentioned, kind of made him count. Nyquan Murray, two catches, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. He was – that was one of the weirder stat lines you're ever going to see, um, especially considering the at one point – for most of the game, he had one catch for 92 yards and a touchdown. Yep. Which, again, making it count. The Florida State defense was huge in this game. They had four sacks and 15 tackles for loss. Michigan really did not have a lot of hope. Um, Florida State made – mistakes on a few occasions here and Michigan made him pay for all of them as you mentioned a pick six for Francois a fumbled punt for Murray uh, that 
Michigan recovered inside the five. Really, they recovered it on the one-yard line. Florida State made him kick a field goal. Then Michigan blocks an extra point after Florida State scores the go-ahead touchdown in the last minute or so of the game. They run it back for a two-point conversion. I mean, this game had everything. Like, this was this was a crazy game. Um, but, yeah, so Michigan gets 12 points on defense and special teams out of those Florida State, you know, miscues. And, and still it was not enough. The Florida State defense came up huge in this game. Yep. Held Michigan only to 252 yards of offense, uh, 7 of 20 on third down. So really pretty impressive. This was a super fun game, one of the classics of, of the bowl season and of the season as, as a whole. I uh, would definitely recommend going back to watch this at some point if you did not get a chance to. Yeah, this is one of the best games of bowl season uh, thus far. Two of the better teams in college football. I mean, these are arguably two of the best teams that didn't make the Final Four. Um, say what you want about you know, some of the teams that were left out, Penn State, Oklahoma. But Michigan and Florida State are definitely two teams to watch next year. Obviously, a lot, a lot of talent on both teams returning. So these will be two favorites to get back to the playoff, get back to the playoff, just get to the playoff next year um, and, and compete for a national championship. And you saw kind of, uh, you know, just how good these two teams are. Florida State finishes winning seven of their last eight games. That's a, that's a strong finish after starting three and two. Yep, they they definitely looked really good at the end of the year. Francois obviously still a freshman, so he had some some of his moments, and he'll he'll continue to develop. But another again a really good performance from Florida State here in this game. Uh, really on all sides of the ball, I was really impressed. And and what a send off for Dalvin Cook. He is he is incredible, Mike. Yep, um, you know obviously one of the top running backs too. Uh, when you consider you know, the NFL draft and, and who's coming out and um, who the candidates are. I mean, there's not really a, a running back, personally, I would put ahead of Dalvin Cook. Um, a lot of people have Leonard Fournette as the best running back. I I wouldn't draft Fournette over Dalvin Cook. Too many concerns with him, injury perspective. Cook does a little bit of everything. He catches passes out of the backfield. He runs hard. He can make people miss. He's got a little bit of power to him. Um, he's one of the fastest running backs in college football. I don't know. I mean, personally, I would take Dalvin Cook, but a lot of people are enamored by the size and speed of Fournette, but I just, I don't know. I'd go with Cook. Dalvin Cook is really a, a remarkably versatile player, and, and I think he's going to do pretty well in the NFL. For sure. Florida State 33, Michigan 32. Uh, Mike, you want to play a quick game of I Told You So? Let's do it, unfortunately. LSU 20, well, you got to tell me it's unfortunate. LSU 29, Louisville 9. Uh, I believe in the preview I told you it was going to be 28 to 10, so I almost had this one, like, pinpointed, you know, nailed it, kind of he's on fire from three-point range style. Yep. Uh, LSU, Mike, came out and made a total mess out of Louisville in this game. The Louisville offensive line was nothing remotely resembling a match for LSU's defense. Yep. Even when, you know, Lamar Jackson had time to operate, his receivers were getting covered up like it was nobody's business. Uh, he didn't really have a ton of room to run. He he finishes the game with 33 yards rushing, and that's including the eight sacks that he yep. took. Yeah, eight um, sacks. So it could have been worse, I guess, on, on a rushing standpoint, but this this got ugly, and, and it stayed ugly, Mike. Uh, this, this was... This was bad. Yeah, and Louisville was playing fine in the first quarter, and I was thinking, okay, I mean, they could hang around here. And and then the offensive line just completely fell apart. The defensive line looked tired. The front seven, Darius Geis just gashed them. Danny Etling, I, I mean, he's – not real impressive, but he was good enough. 217, two touchdowns. I don't know. Joey, you called it. I was <laughs> way I mean, I was I was way off in this game. I felt okay about things early. I mean, I, I looked at Louisville and said, Okay, well maybe they can hang around and then LSU wore them down pretty quickly. I mean, it was apparent around the eight minute mark of the second quarter where I was sitting there thinking, Okay, here comes LSU, and I think Louisville should just get on the bus. And it was only like 10-3 to 3 at that point or something like that. And I was like, okay, 
I don't think Louisville will score again, and they end up getting two more field goals. Uh, but just had that kind of feel. It, it really just completely turned. Never really seemed like Louisville could get any momentum going offensively all day long. Lamar Jackson running for his life the entire game. Not necessarily his fault, but he didn't play his best game. Throwing the football, he was all all over the place, just completely inaccurate. Didn't look very good. Looked like the Lamar Jackson of the final two games of the year, which isn't particularly good news for Louisville because of how he was gashing opponents for, I don't know, 70 to 80% of the schedule. And then Louisville drops, of course, their final three games to Houston, Kentucky, and now LSU. And Lamar Jackson just did not look good, really, in any of those three games. Uh, Houston game, he played fine, but Kentucky threw three picks. This game, he didn't throw any picks, but he was wildly inaccurate. Uh, It's just... Uh, not great for Lamar Jackson, not great for Louisville. Tough to really get a gauge on where they're going to be at next season um, based off of this loss. Uh, they are losing some talent, especially at receiver, but um, it, you know they'll be back competing in the Atlantic, but it's hard to see them surpassing a Florida State or Clemson. Uh, even with Clemson losing all the talent, they're losing on the offense. Just The Cardinals looked overmatched against LSU, and if they play like this next year, the way they played their last three games, it could be overmatched against a bunch of teams in the ACC. Louisville's defense played honorably for a while. I think they kind of quit a little bit in the second half, yep. seeing that it was going to be useless. But, I mean, they did not have a great answer for Darius Geis. 26 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown. He had another a catch for another touchdown as well. Um, in, in fairness to Lamar Jackson, so first of all, there's a lot of criticism coming his way saying, oh, the Heisman winner's got to be better at taking a game over, you know, and he's got to do a better job. I didn't think Lamar Jackson played like an exceptionally bad game given what he had to work with. I, I, I told my dad, like, before this game, it, it doesn't matter how good Lamar Jackson is with, you know, if they can't block for him. Right, like this, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, they couldn't protect him. He was sacked eight times. He he had six passes broken up because he had nowhere to throw the ball. His receivers were all covered by an excellent LSU secondary. This was just a, a suffocating effort from from the LSU defense, and I mean, Louisville just had no real good mechanism for moving the ball all night long. And I think that was really kind of what happened here, and really, that's kind of how I, I was expecting it to go the whole time. <sighs> Me too, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. I, w- I wish I had been wrong. Like, I wish I wish Louisville had looked formidable in this game, but, I mean, you're right. Just with the way that they ended the year, that that is awful. It's not a great um, look. No. They were 9-1 they were and one going into Houston, and they lost to Houston, they lost to Kentucky, and they lost to LSU. And two of the losses were, really all the losses were kind of their own brand of embarrassing. When you give in, you know, Houston and LSU both blowout losses, and Kentucky, not a team that Louisville should have been losing to to begin with. So uh, this is really Louisville stumbling into the gate hard uh, after going 9-1 in the first 10 games. Now let's have a a moment of reflection real quick. Say Louisville beats Houston, they beat Kentucky. Uh, Look, they they would have been 11-1. It probably would have been difficult to even at 11 and 1 envision Louisville in the playoff because you're looking at them at 9 and 1 and they're playing two weaker opponents down the stretch now they lose to both of them so it's moot now but Louisville say they're the fifth team right and they're just left out they probably end up in the Orange Bowl playing Michigan you think LSU's defense gave Louisville problems can you imagine Michigan's defense against Lamar Jackson and Louisville's offense not good can we talk about something else? Yes. Uh, that that does not and, that does not sound and with that, like anything I want to explore. And uh, with that, we'll move on. Yeah, Michigan's defense would have been even probably even worse than this. Um, wow. Yeah, not good for Louisville. Strong performance for LSU. This was uh, again one of three losses for the ACC in bowl season. We talked earlier about how the Pittsburgh loss to Northwestern, that was just, you know, there's just some weird stuff and some injuries and stuff happens. You know, I, I'm not really going to blame anybody for that one. This one, too. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of came in with the ex- expectation that this was a terrible matchup for Louisville. And again, it happened basically the way that I thought it would. So I, I'm not really too cut up about it. I mean, if these are two of your losses, I, I mean, I'll take that as an ACC fan, I got to say. For sure. 
LSU 29, Louisville 9. In happier news for me, let's talk about the Tax Slayer Bowl, which was happening at the exact same time, which is, you know, convenient. Um, not that I was really watching the Louisville game much anyways. Uh, Georgia Tech 33, Kentucky 18. Mike, this was your pick of the week. It you was. had Georgia Tech to cover three and a half, and you nailed it. I did. Uh, by the way, mine was Florida State plus seven, and they won outright, so that was good. Also nailed uh, it. Yeah. So, yeah, we got back to even in both plays. So that was good. Um, just It sucks that I didn't manage to actually bet on these games. I bet on the first set, so that was fine. Um, anyways, uh, Mike, I thought this game was really interesting for Georgia Tech because I, I told you in the preview that I thought motivation was not going to be an issue. Um, there were a lot of senior leaders on this Georgia Tech team that have meant a lot to the program over the last several years that I thought that the rest of the team was going to come out and, you know, give a pretty good effort, try to send these guys off the right way. And it turned out that way where, you know, Justin Thomas had a good game, Freddie Burton had a good game, Pat Gamble, P.J. Davis, and, and Harrison Butker, all these, you know, five really important and meaningful seniors to this program all came out with, you know, good games. Um, Justin Thomas's numbers aren't going to pop off the page to you. He, his passing numbers come away as 6 of 14. His receivers dropped at least four passes that hit them in the hands or in the pads or something like that. There were another couple that, you know, were, were batted away. You know, there was only like once or twice on the game that he was actually inaccurate with the football. Just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah. Um, he <laughs> he also had nine carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. He had a really nice moment before halftime. Uh, Georgia Tech's driving down, and Justin Thomas had a beautiful 21-yard touchdown run. He uh, kind of skates through the defense a little bit and ends up diving and just tapping the pylon with the ball. Uh, it was a it was a really pretty looking run. He got some good blocking on a QB draw. Uh, I thought it was also cool. I mentioned the other seniors, Pat Gamble and PJ Davis. That's a defensive tackle and a linebacker. On Kentucky's first drive of the game, Pat Gamble gets in and forces a fumble uh, on, on a quarterback rush. When PJ Davis picks the ball up and runs it in for a touchdown, so that was a cool moment for those two seniors. Harrison Butker becomes the, the school's all-time leading scorer in this game uh, when he kicked the extra point off of that touchdown return. He also hit all four field goal tries that he had. Um, that was some of the most that you've ever seen under Paul Johnson. This was just a really good day for those seniors, and, and I think it's also telling, too, how many guys are coming back that had good games in this game. So ultimately a strong performance for Georgia Tech. A, a really good rushing offense from Kentucky was held to – 149 yards on the game. That was less than they've had in a long time. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this game, Mike, but I, I, I got to say I was pretty happy with how Georgia Tech played, and I, I was glad with how it turned out. It was the Dudrick Mills show, uh, 169 was, and a touchdown. It really was. I mean, he was – How did I forget him? Uh, 31 carries. Game, just, game MVP. Yeah. They kept going to him. Uh, and they should have. He was averaging five and a half yards per carry. If you get five and a half yards per carry in Georgia Tech's offense, perfect. Mm-hmm. Like first down every two plays, hell yeah, sign me up, right? Uh, Nothing would make Paul Johnson happier, right? Yeah, Paul Johnson loves himself a good running game. Uh, Kentucky's offense isn't that good, which was kind of predictable. Not good. This, yeah. I don't know that I really predicted it to go this well for Georgia Tech's defense, you know, holding them to under 150 yards rushing. But, it, you know, Georgia Tech's defense is of the brand that if, if you really lean on your running game, they'll find ways to limit that and force you to throw the ball. Um, it's the teams that can beat you both ways that, that really give this defense problems. And, and they forced Steven Johnson for Kentucky to pass – he didn't do a great job of it. Nineteen to thirty-four, one seventy-five, and a touchdown. I mean, that's that's not a bad performance, but it's pretty pedestrian. Yeah, and you, I don't think you thought Georgia Tech. You, you like Georgia Tech's chances, obviously. I'm not sure you expected it to go this well. But to be fair, neither of us really gave credit to Kentucky's offense entering this game. I mean, we both kind of said. Yeah, you know, Kentucky's offense, they look kind of good against Louisville, but Louisville kind of mailed it in in the season finale. It's like, oh, Kentucky's defense, they look kind of good, but Louisville mailed it in in the season finale. It's like, you know, you kept trying to find reasons why Kentucky, you know, wasn't all that great, and they proved us correct. So, yeah, I mean, it really just came down to Kentucky's inability to stop the option, which 
kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the preview where, you know, Kentucky doesn't see a triple option offense. They, they don't see it in the SEC. Um, they never have to game plan for it. And when you don't have to game plan for this every year, it becomes increasingly more difficult to stop it. And I think that's what we saw with Dietrich Mills ending up running wild there for Georgia Tech and winning the game. Well, in the, in the narrative that always kind of comes back for Georgia Tech in bowl games is, oh, well, it's tough to prepare for this offense with just a week to prepare, but when you give a team a whole month, it's, you know, it's way easier to prepare. Well, <laughs> surprise, because yeah. Georgia Tech's now won three of their last four bowl games, um, which is, again, a big reversal of fortune because before that, going back into the Chan Gailey years, I'm not sure when the last time they had won one was, so... Um, I think Paul Johnson doing as much as he can to dispel rumors here. Um, one of the other things that happened in this game, Mike, that was, I don't know if you caught on to this or heard anything about this, but I i guess I was not really fully aware. I'd never really gotten the full uh, Mark Stoops experience. Um, it's fun, isn't but, it? Dude, Mark Stoops cranked up the whining to like 11 in this game. I mean, it was unbelievable um he i mean he was raging out on the field he had a couple of players that went down at one point in like the second quarter i think he was out on the field with his injured player and then starts yelling at the georgia tech sideline about you know the cut blocking and something he and paul johnson basically had a shouting match in the middle of the field while an injured player was down uh it turns out that neither player was injured on a cut block it was just whatever you know normal football stuff uh so that was silly there was some stuff, you know, at the end of the half. Georgia Tech definitely benefited from some iffy officiating as far as, a, you know, the clock being stopped when a player really wasn't out of bounds and some such. And, and Mark Stoops about blew his stack. And word was that as they went into halftime, apparently Mark Stoops, like, kicked in the door to the lef- referee's locker room <laughs> yeah. and, and was, like, Gatorade. going to yell at him. Freaked out with the Gatorade, too. Yeah, and had to, like, they had to, like, carry him out of there, and he broke some stuff and, like, Man, Marshall, just, you got to set a better example than that. That is, that is as childish as childish gets. It's like, oh, Pat Narduzzi is coaching two bowl games this year. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, there he is at the Tax Slayer Bowl. That's interesting. Mark, I, 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 I feel like Pat Narduzzi was like taking notes watching this from Mark Stoops. Like, this was, he he made Pat Narduzzi jealous. Like, this was something. So, um, yeah, he mad. Uh, He's mad in real life, not even on the internet. Just He's just mad. But yeah, uh, strong performance by Georgia Tech. Good send-off for Justin Thomas and the seniors. A, a big 33-18 to 18 win here in the Tax Slayer Bowl. As you mentioned, Diedrich Mills' huge game. Uh, at the end of the end of the game, Georgia Tech had a bit of a uh, death march, is what they call it. You know, they just six plays, 58 yards, touchdown, just plunging the ball up the middle for Diedrich Mills. Um, the key play was actually really fun. It was third and four. It was the game had kind of turned where Kentucky was getting some momentum, and it was twenty six eighteen at the time. Third and four, come out of a timeout. Georgia Tech goes play action. Kentucky's corner bites, and nobody rotates over, and Justin Thomas just floats one for forty yards to Ricky June. Whoopsie daisies. Yeah. Oops. Three plays later, touchdown, Diedrich Mills, and that was your ball game. So. Strong performance for the Yellow Jackets here. Strong ending, and uh, they bring back 17 starters next year, Mike. So They're keep my... an eye on them in the ACC Coast. Oh, by the way, yeah, texted you that as well. After Virginia Tech had all the defections to the NFL draft on offense, I said, "Hey, Joey, you know who has a great chance to win the Coastal next year? Georgia Tech, returning pretty much their whole team. Um, they, now they got to replace they got to replace their quarterback, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean." There are some key guys, like Justin Thomas, but you do have the valuable Matthew Jordan, right? Valuable? Can I call him that? He looked yeah. valuable against Virginia Tech when I was there. He, he looked damn valuable. He sure did. So, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. looking up on the flats, Mike. It, I mean. <laughs> Everything's coming up Millhouse. That's whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't. Simpsons references now. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. The Millhouse, the Millhouse reference is a. Uh, I don't want to call it a throwback because The Simpsons is still on TV, but <laughs> it's it's a throwback. It never dies, just yeah. like Paul Johnson's offense and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. <laughs> Nine and four. 
Yeah, nine and four, sneaky good season. We'll see if they uh, they find their way into the top twenty five here at the end of the year. Hell of a rebound from yeah. last year. That's a big time. I mean, that's a big time rebound. I mean, Georgia mm-hmm. Tech what won three games last year? Four games? Mm-hmm. Three games? Yeah. They were three nine. Yeah. So that's a that's quite the rebound by Paul Johnson. And also, real quick, we were talking about Georgia Tech in the in the preseason and how you know there were some discussions on your blog about from the rumble seat about hey maybe paul johnson isn't long for this job okay consider all those dispelled now at nine and four maybe uh yeah i mean i think as far as you know in the short term like paul johnson will be the coach of this team in 2017 i guess the question starts to show up you know what will happen for 2018 2019 because uh, I don't. I don't know that all of it is necessarily related to on the field performance. You know, I think there's maybe some more stuff going on there. But um, certainly for for the immediate future, yeah, Paul Johnson's here, and this is. Uh, you know, you figure there'll be quite a bit of staff continuity going into next year. Anyways, uh, Georgia Tech thirty three, Kentucky eighteen. Last one here, Mike, and this was also from the thirtieth. Uh, this happened before the Orange Bowl was played. The number 18 Stanford Cardinal 25, North Carolina 23 in the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Uh, this was this was a crazy game where North Carolina kind of couldn't get stuff going and then was kind of constantly having to play catch up. They come in at the end of the game, they get the ball in their own three yard line with a minute and 30 to go, and in a, a minute and nine they go 10 plays, 97 yards, and a touchdown, and then they fail the two point conversion badly to give to seal the win for Stanford um just a crazy game Stanford kind of just finding ways to take advantage of mistakes Mitch Trubisky threw a couple of interceptions and lost a fumble not his best so game. many dumb turnovers bad Mitch Trubisky showed up uh TJ Logan set 19 carries for 72 yards I don't know why Stanford is the team he picked to start running the ball against North Carolina but sure um, sure, do that without Elijah Hood. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, whatever. I don't know. Mike, what do you make of this game? Uh, well, I'm not really sure. I mean, you a game that takes place in El Paso, I guess you'd expect nothing less. Uh, Keller Crist, Stanford's starting quarterback, 3 of 6, 68 yards, touchdown, scrambles for 8 yards, blows his knee out. So, Captain Porn Star, Mr. Ryan Burns, comes running in <laughs> into the game where did that come from and uh has that massive porn stash and the goofy look on his face oh hell yes i gotta see this yes and he comes sprinting in and on to the rescue right he goes six of 11 86 yards and then stanford decides okay he looks okay he's only completing 50 percent of his passes he almost threw two interceptions against north carolina's god-awful pass defense let's run the ball Bryce Love, 22 carries, 115 yards in this game. Outside of him, Stanford did not have a ton of offense. This was 100% ball control, 100% wait for North Carolina to screw it up, and they did. North Carolina scored one, and, and that's it, one offensive touchdown in this game, and it came in the first quarter off the Keller Chris touchdown pass. That was it. They were able to carve out 25 points, Obviously, Mitch Trubisky throwing the interceptions that he did, setting up uh, the Cardinal in North Carolina territory a couple of different times, having that fumble. Stanford's kicker, Conrad Ukrapina, one of the best names in sports, four of five on field goals on the day. He's your MVP. Um, He was uh, nearly single-handedly beats North Carolina once you tack on uh, that extra touchdown. There's math for you. Um, Four times three. Stanford only scored one. Stanford only scored one offensive touchdown in this game. One offensive touchdown. Um, I mean... Defensive score helped big time. But if you took alone just the one touchdown pass by Keller Christ and the four field goals, you almost beat North Carolina right by yourself. And having North Carolina continuously throw you the football helps. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. Really interesting to see the Tar Heels decide that this was the game they were going to run in. Um, I mean... Trubisky did throw the ball almost 40 times, but 
they really stayed committed to the running game. Mitch Trubisky, 14 carries, 38 yards. Not sure we've seen that a ton this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they ran the ball as much as they did. I mean, they probably could have used Elijah Hood in this game. He'll be returning for his senior season, by the way, so that's great news for North Carolina as they'll likely be breaking in a new quarterback, assuming that Trubisky moves on to the NFL. So uh, just a weird game. Either team really wanted to, uh, you know, kind of seize the momentum. Um, Stanford had multiple opportunities offensively, couldn't really punch anything in in the end zone. Uh, uh, you know, if it wasn't for bad Mitch Trubisky, Stanford actually might lose this game just because they didn't have much offense like we predicted. I thought North Carolina would show up with a lot more offense, and they didn't. So I don't know. Nothing really went like I thought it would with the Tar Heels. Um, you know, Trubisky having to throw the ball 38 times for 280 is not good. He turned the ball over three times. Never good as well. When you get bad Mitch Trubisky and no Elijah Hood, I guess this is the recipe for beating the Tar Heels with a, let's just say, mediocre defense. So that's what we got. Stanford pulls it out. And, yeah, that's all she wrote. I don't know. Just interesting game. I don't know if you saw that pick six that Trubisky threw, Mike. But it was it not was good. Ugly. Horrible throw. Bad, 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 bad. To the point that it makes you question: like, is this guy really the best quarterback in the draft class? Like some guys have said they, that he is. So uh, that was not good. By the way, Stanford only came up, you know, with something like 287 yards of offense in this game. Over 50% of that went to Bryce Love on 22 carries, 115 yards, and one catch for 49 yards. Yep. Maybe guard that guy. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> he had 57% of his team's yards on, on 23 touches. Yep. So seems like that's where the ball was going, and, and North Carolina was not really able to do a great job of defending it, at least for a lot of the time. Um, yeah, Mike, North Carolina losing this game was really the only major uh, major issue I thought of of the ACC's bowl season. This was the, this was the team that this game was there to be won for North Carolina, and and they could not get it done. Yep. And man, it's not a good look. Um, as much as you know, bowl season probably doesn't matter ultimately. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't beat a Stanfordless Christian McCaffrey, and to make it all worse, a Christian McCaffrey less Stanford, sorry, uh, and and to make it all worse, you know, you kind of enabled Stanford to stay in the game and win it ultimately. So, worth mentioning too here that North Carolina now loses its final three games of the year against FBS competition. Their only win since beating Georgia Tech in mid-November was against the Citadel. Whoops. They lost at Duke. They lost to NC State, and now they lose to Stanford. And to think at a time, I mean, they were they were seven and two, and, and threatening Virginia Tech for the ACC Coastal. They beat Florida State. Beat this Florida year, State, yep. And they beat Pittsburgh, and they beat Miami, and this is how they end the year. That's not a good look for Larry Fedora. Again, a guy who was thought to maybe be in consideration for some other jobs around the country, and his team absolutely just falls apart coming down the stretch. Uh, that is. That is not a good sign, especially, like you said, they're going to have to replace several other top playmakers on offense going into next year. Yeah, and they're going to point to the injury card with Hood not being 100% healthy. Trubisky missed some practice time. They'll point to injuries, but this was a collapse by North Carolina uh, towards the end of the year, uh, no matter what way you slice it. So, not yeah, not a great look. No Christian McCaffrey. You still give up a ton of rushing yards to Stanford. I don't know. I mean, Stanford's offense is so painfully boring because they don't put up a lot of points, and they can only beat you one way, and North Carolina still couldn't get it done, even with all the playmakers still on the field offensively that they had. Just not a great look for North Carolina, for sure. Not pretty. Mike, that does it for the ACC's bowl games. As we said, they were 8-3, and three, uh, really put on a good show here. These these top five kind of premier matchups, as, as you will, I mean, realistically there were probably a couple that we talked about in the Part 1 recap that were maybe higher profile than a couple of the here in the Part 2, but these were more towards the main event. So from these five, what was your what was your big takeaway here? Um, big overarching takeaway for me, and it's – 
become a bigger point now that uh, the season has ended, players are starting to declare for the draft. Georgia Tech, in my mind, is one of the favorites, if not the favorite, heading into next season to win the Coastal Division. And a lot of people are going to, and maybe even you, I mean, I think you're in agreement that they're one of the favorites, but it's hard for me to imagine Miami being able to replace Brad Kaya right away. Virginia Tech, they lose an entire side of their offensive line, two out of their three top receivers in Bucky Hodges and Isaiah Ford and Gerard Evans at quarterback. North Carolina, likely to use, lose Mitch Trubisky. Ryan Switzer's gone. Other talent on offense gone. Some of their offensive linemen, they're losing some talent on defense. North Carolina's not going to be the same team next year. What other team in the Coastal Division is there that's returning as much talent on both sides of the ball as Georgia Tech? Um, and in my mind, not many, if any. Um, and you look at Georgia Tech, and they win their bowl game. They finish the season strong, 9-4 and four record. Paul Johnson has some positive momentum heading into recruiting here. National Signing Day now less than a month away. I don't know. I, I like Georgia Tech's chances next year as a very, very, very early favorite. This is pre-National Signing Day, pre-summer workouts, pre-training camp, all the injuries that can happen, a lot of elements. But Georgia Tech, I think, is a big winner of this second slate of bowl games here because they gained some positive momentum and some other teams within the Coastal specifically lost some momentum. I think that's a valid point. Um, Georgia Tech at one point this year was 3-3. Three and three. Uh, They lost three straight conference games to Clemson, Miami, and Pittsburgh. In the time since, they finished 6-1. and one. Uh, They had a win over your Hokies. They had a win over Georgia. They had a win in the Tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, worth mentioning that Georgia Tech had three SEC wins this year, including Georgia, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Would you like to know how many SEC teams had three or fewer SEC wins, Mike? <laughs> Because it was six of them. <laughs> there were six SEC teams that had three SEC wins or fewer, and Georgia Tech went 3-0 and against SEC teams. So that was a good showing. Uh, definitely a lot of good momentum. As you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot coming back here. That's a good feeling. Um, in a way, that's exactly how 2014 set up. That Orange Bowl run was brand-new quarterback in Justin Thomas, whole bunch of extremely experienced guys around him, a defense that was able to take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Yep. And I think that's what we started to see from this defense down the stretch. If if Ted Roof can kind of keep up the strategy they've got, keep developing the guys they've got in there, the offensive talent and the offensive line are there. They just got to figure out a quarterback. And if they can do that, I, I'm with you that Georgia Tech's going to be pretty dangerous next year. However, I will almost never be picking Georgia Tech to win the Coastal because I am smarter than that. Uh, as soon as you expect Georgia Tech to be good, they're not good. So uh, I try to keep my expectations down. 3-9 and nine next year then, right? Oh, damn it. We're not doing that again. I can't do that again, Mike. I can't go through that. Oh, real quick. One more takeaway. Ryan Burns, quarterback of Stanford. Shave the porn stash, dude. What are you doing? Shave it. Why would, why would he shave that? He looks like an idiot. And he doesn't play glorious. well. glorious. He doesn't play he well glorious. with it. <laughs> yeah? I'm not sure he plays well without it, but, you know, I, that's besides the point. He beat Notre Dame without it. Wait, does that, <laughs> <laughs> does that mean anything? Wait. <laughs> Is that an accomplishment? Is that Wait, a good what? thing? What was Notre Dame's record? Oh, yeah. Four and eight. I think I think they were four and eight. Like, they were. Man, uh, they lost to Stanford too. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Uh, talk about two. The 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 two premier matchups the ACC had this year in bowl games being the uh, the playoff game, the Fiesta Bowl, as well as the Orange Bowl, the New Year's Six game. Clemson and Florida State put you know put together a really impressive performance against the Big Tens. Two, and two of the best teams in the Big Ten, obviously, in Ohio State and Michigan. Yep. That's number three, number six, and uh, that's two wins for ACC teams. So I, that was my big takeaway, I think, was just really the full body of work of teams. You know, it didn't feel like anybody just beat up on an inferior team. I, I mean, I felt like the matchups were all pretty appropriate. Uh, unranked Miami comes away with a win over a ranked West Virginia team. Uh, you know, Florida State at number 11 comes away with a win over number six Michigan. Clemson puts on a total show in front of the entire country, just dominating Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. This was just a really good showing, and, and again, I think it speaks to the improved quarterback play in the ACC as well as some really good hires that these schools have made over the last several years. The uh, Big Ten is the 
you know, country's best conference in 2016 was a lot of fun for the five minutes that it lasted, huh? Ohio State lays an egg. Michigan loses to Florida State. Penn State loses in the Rose Bowl. We can continue. They did have that marquee win, Northwestern over Pitt. Um, Which, I mean, felt a little tainted even. Right. Like, I don't know if I can even give them credit for that. Like, I don't know. Maybe shout out to Minnesota for beating Washington State. I, that was actually, I mean, it was 17-12. to 12. That was still a mildly impressive win. Uh, Nebraska laid an egg against Tennessee. We could do, I mean, we can do this all day. I, I you know, Yeah, it wasn't pretty. Props to Iowa for only losing by four touchdowns to Florida in the Outback Bowl. Florida is always Oof. in the Outback Bowl. Yeah, that was bad too. So. Um, and, and I think worth mentioning, so the the – conversation for a while this season has been is it the Big Ten or is the SEC the best conference in college football and I think there is a strong argument to be made if not you would have to argue me off of this point that uh, that the ACC is the the best conference in college football I agree you know the Big Ten we saw several matchups here the ACC played eight bowl games against SEC and Big Ten opponents yep and was a combined six and two and three and one individually against each conference which is impressive and, and the other thing I think is when you look at, like, the SEC, too, everyone's like, oh, the SEC's got Alabama. They've got the best team, probably, uh, a team that has not really shown a, a, a major crack in the armor yet. Right. After that, would you like to guess how many – so there are, there are 14 SEC teams, Mike. There are 13 of them that are not named Alabama. Would you like to guess how many of those 13 teams had less than four losses this year? I make you play these, like, guessing games. I know. You're always, like, to <laughs> try zero. Yeah. Alabama went undefeated. The entire rest of the SEC had four losses on the year, at minimum, which, damn. When you have Alabama, it seems to cure all ills, doesn't it? That's why I think it's so mm-hmm. crucial. I, I posted this on Twitter for those of you who follow me, at Mike McDaniel ACC. I got a lot of blowback on this tweet. I said, okay, ACC greater than SEC, but only if Clemson beats Alabama. So I meant in general. Um, 2016, I think it's hands down, so I had to go ahead and clarify. you got a lot of people hashtag Matt online, Joey. Yeah, um, our favorite. Yeah, so we got some of that. Um, I had to basically tell people, hey, sorry, let me clarify. 2016, <laughs> ACC better than the SEC, hands down, not very close. Overall, though, for the ACC to really gain the respect that it deserves as one of the, the best football conferences in the country, if not the best football conference in the country, you need to beat Alabama. you got to have that one team to take down the best team in college football, the team that hasn't lost all season, that garners all the hype. Clemson's definitely primed to do it. We'll talk about in the national championship preview here that we'll you know send out here in the next couple of days, but you got to beat Alabama to be considered the top dog as far as conferences are concerned. But a lot of people will already be willing to say, hey, ACC better than SEC in general, top to bottom, which conference is better? You know, it it was a weird year in college football um, for the depth in a lot of these conferences. The ACC had probably the best depth from top to bottom, the most talent, Um, a ton of bowl-eligible teams, obviously. That's what it really is going to boil down to for me anyway. Can Clemson knock off Alabama, and can the ACC really be considered the best conference in the country? I think they can. We're going to find out if Clemson can beat Alabama. We're going to, we're going to come back, Mike, and, uh, and preview we'll that preview game it here. Yeah. yeah, we might even talk about the game uh, here in a, uh, in a future episode. Uh, we're actually going to do that and release that a little later this week, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll give you a little nugget right now. Uh, I do think Clemson has a chance. I do too. And I I feel like Clemson has a, a good chance here, uh, about as good as anybody's. So um, we'll be uh, curious to see kind of where that takes us, that discussion here on a future episode. Uh, Mike, did you have anything else before we get out of here on this one? I am all set. I like how we had one less game and took ten more minutes on this one than we did on the, <laughs> on That's the uh, how part we do one it. recap. Yep. Yeah. Good old basketball conference podcast. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, all right, Mike. Well, we're going to get out of here. We're going to come back uh, here in a couple days and uh, and preview that game. 
Uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to reach us, we are on Twitter. As Mike mentioned, he is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and I am at FTRS Joey. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can also send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns. If you're real mad about something that we said, or you think that we're right, or you love us, or you hate us, or whatever you want to do, uh, please send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. And he nailed it. Yeah, it was smooth. Um, this has just become the standard now. I just got to get used to that. It is. Um, yeah, you can reach us. We're on uh, SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're going to maybe look into some other services we could maybe get on. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, new year, new you, and uh, new services for our podcast hosting. So uh, we'll find out. But you can go in there and subscribe and review and rate us and all that. And uh, we really appreciate those who have done so. Um, but, yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed the, the bowl recaps. we got one more big one to come back and do, and that's the national title game. And until then... For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Go ACC.